Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to the Welcome to the Catholic Stuff, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. We're down in the basement <laughs> of Schloss Goebbels. Listen to a little jazz loon from the brothers over at... Who, who, no, cre- who, no, cre- who no, created this fine collection? North Sound? North Sound. Please don't sue us, but it's so good. We are listening to Jazz Loon, compliments of the one and only Kyle Tannehill. This what, is unbelievable. What is the track name on this beautiful beat? We're listening to Sundancer. Contemporary jazz accompanied by loons. With its artful blend of fine contemporary jazz and the yeah. haunting calls of the loon, Jazz Loon pioneers a new musical hybrid. Oh, yeah. You're about to hear the improvisational riffs oh. of two uncommonly expressive species. You're going to hear about some loons <laughs> and some jazz. Hey, welcome to the podcast. If you're listening to the first time, this is a very special occasion because uh, we've been waiting for months to listen to this i know and some lady actually purchased us a a cd player but the problem is uh, it got the the little tag for the amazon got lost in the wow it's still going yeah just bring it down it got lost in the amazon box and um uh, we grabbed the we grabbed the goods and let, missed out but she realized that we didn't have a cd player so yeah so Thanks, lady, who sent us the uh, CD uh, alarm clock. We're going to find maybe it. Maybe Chevrolet, Chevrolet, Maryland? I don't know. Beverly? No. Chevrolet? No, no, no. That's not her name. Oh, like okay. I think she's from Chevrolet, Maryland. I saw it for a brief moment, and then uh, we were cleaning up after Lord's Days, and somebody, somebody threw it out in it, and I thought I had it. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna uh, flip forward uh, at the end of this podcast. I definitely. Uh, we'll bring it back. There's one. There's one called Uptown Funk. Oh yeah, number I think eleven. I think. Or Club Catamaran. <laughs> this is just unbelievable. Where did he get that? Man? I don't know, but uh, folks, yeah. yeah, we haven't asked for a lot on the podcast, uh, but this belongs to Kyle Tannehill. Yeah, and I want a copy of this. Yeah. So if you find a copy of Jazz Loon, uh, I will send you an autograph. You know something. We better skip number four. It's called Sensual Encounter. I I saw that one. Yeah, I bet you did. Yeah. And Weekend Romance is going to finish it off. That's after Top Cat and all aboard. Top Cat. All, all aboard. Oh. Top Cat. Oh man, Matt Christensen. Yeah, this is uh man. I tell you what. Here we are on the eve of uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, we could never be more grateful because that we, was we that was jazz loon. I, w- that was their first listen. Yeah. Like we we turned it on, and that was it. It's been uh, yeah. It it changes you. You know, everything's different now after the after the jazz loon. We just so we're uh. We're together for a few days. It's been great to be back at Schloss Goebbels. We got a little break from the seminary schedule. And, we had a uh, great snow day. Snow day. Had another great snow day here. Shout out to Christensen Meats. Oh, my goodness. So, Matt. Where, what, what town is he from? Uh, Vernal. Vernal, no, Montana. not Vernal. Is that right? Valier. Valier, Montana. Valier, yeah. 
Christensen Meats uh, sponsored a, our snow day breakfast. If you're looking for some delicious sausage patties, Father Nathan quote wept when he opened he the did. bag. Literally, it was a beautiful. Those thing. are those are some tasty treats. So I'll tell you what, I love all of my my spiritual sons in the seminary, but right now Montana is coming through. The two Montana guys, Kyle Tannehill, giving us some jazz loon for the evening, and then Matt Christians, who brought back meats. Because you know what, you know, folks. I know we sound like this perfectly put together, you know, pair and very professional, uh, never any drama, never any banter, uh, just two guys who really have it all together. But occasionally, believe it or not, we do fight. And we had a little bit of a... Uh, when we fight, we fight hard. We had a little bit of a throwdown. You know, every once in a while, one of us kind of assassinates, you know, I don't know. Oh, we are fighting over the children, Franz, actually. Franz Duke Ferdinand and then World War One begins. Right. And uh, we uh, and you know what? I needed a peace offering. And Matt Christians comes back from Valier, Montana. And what does he have? He's got meat. And I said, I'm bringing this right to Schloss Goebbels. Because well, cause the man takes one peace offering, and it usually involves flesh. There's got to be some pound of blood. flesh given. Yep. So we had a great uh, breakfast on the... Uh, uh, snow day, thanks to Matt, and uh, now we're just now we're just living in this kind of I oh, don't know, and uh, jazz jacuzzi. What did we? Oh, and, and we were we were, we consumed uh, uh, muffin tops, muffin tops from uh, Jackie Carpenter, who gave me uh, Jackie and Stan Carpenter. Uh, shout out to them and Corey Rowe um, gave me uh, wild blueberries from uh, Trappers Trappers Point sturgeon lake canada um and we made uh muffin tops i found these pans that don't have bottoms to it they don't have they don't have like the pit they're just sort of they make little tartlets no it was like the best thing ever because nobody wants to eat the uh, bottom of the muffin right yeah top of the muffin to you (laughs) it was uh they're called muffin heads uh it's a certain kind of uh of a muffin pan yeah and then tonight on top of this we go out for sushi and we run into podcast listeners. Exactly. They pick up the tab. The Mortons. Like, Thanks again. Amazing. So we are uh, well satiated, and we haven't even begun. It's not even Thanksgiving Day. This is all all the eating. True. Hence why we we've, s- we've become muffin tops. We right sound now. we sound kind of like we're living this glamorous life. You know, listening to jazz loon. <laughs> People are picking up our sushi tabs, but um, uh, overall, you know, it's just another day at the Schloss. At another day at the Schloss. But not, here we not to be confused with. Schlossed with some of our friends. Sloshed. Sloshed Goebbels. It's like, no, no. Do you want to, I mean, Schloss. we're not, I think we can talk about the the podcast event, can't sure. we? Oh, yeah. So by now you've heard that uh, we are having this um, 10th anniversary party. And as I said to uh, someone uh, in discussion about the our tiff over that i said have you ever almost gotten a divorce while planning your anniversary party that's what it was like yeah we had touch and go little touch and go uh we're all we're we're in it we're in it because we care about our listeners and uh it's just a question of how do we exercise hospitality for our listeners who uh could quite possibly form one of the largest catholic catholic events next to more than you realize right it's going to be less than you realize. Budweiser Event Center. Bud Heavy. We'll see you there. No, I think, uh, you know, we uh, we get on this, we podcast, and um, but we have these two other things on the side called um, being seminary professors and running parishes. Yeah. And so party planning committee gets kind of 
kicked back, kicked back, kicked back, and then all of a sudden, our friends say to us, "Hey, by the way, you're coming up on the 10th anniversary." And the temptation was to say, "Ah, we'll celebrate at the 25th." And now, well, the point is, this could be obsolete. Likely, will be obsolete. We might not even make it to the 11th anniversary. But frankly, it's a miracle that this thing existed. I always say, "Do you ever hear I get made fun of for saying miracle?" Like Jimmy Stewart. Have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? Miracle. It's a miracle. That we're still... It's a miracle. That we made it. I mean, you think about... For those of you who have listened, the the few and the proud who have listened through all 400 and whatever podcasts, you know this is a... It's been a a wild ride the last 10 years, you know? And uh, it's still going. We still got people buying us sushi. Still the one, still the one that I love. Yeah, I guess. We're still doing it. We're, we're, we're grateful for it. Uh, we did receive a, a rather heat-seeking comment uh, from a former listener who said that if these guys had their way, uh, they wouldn't even celebrate Sunday Mass. They would, yeah. just, they would just drink and do the podcast. And I was like, mm, I don't think you realize how little, how little time we dedicate to this because it's, it, however long the recordings are, are about how much time we spend per month right however many so that's four hours a month and if, if you that. if you listen moderately attentive with moderate attention you realize how poorly they are um, prepared and the content is kind of worked at then you'd realize well, these guys really don't spend a lot of time right. working on it but if you do want to correct us um maybe don't send a, an email or a letter to the bishop why don't you just write us first we'll, we'll talk about it um don't talk to our friends you know about uh our narcissism or these things, and it's just kind of like, okay, you know, let's uh, kind of keep this in the family. And if uh, if we don't listen, then yeah, then go to the uh, go to the uh, go to whatever you got to go. So. Yeah, that's why I said he's he, it's a former listener. Right, it's fine. Some people are looking for something different, and that's fine. You know, you find yourself in the soup aisle, and you're actually looking for nacho cheese. Eventually, you just say, I don't, I'm I'm not going to find what I'm, I'm looking for. Aisle. I'm in the wrong aisle. So then you get out. And then you get out. There's a lot of people that are looking for nacho cheese. Yep. So he's he was looking for the soup aisle. He was looking for the soup aisle. Or she. I have no idea. I have no idea who this person was. Right. No name. Yeah. No comment. Not helpful. So. And then you got other people like our friends. You know, I was telling you about Cosden Leahy running into him this weekend. I, I want to say Cosden. Cosden, our favorite waspy convert. Love it. The um it was a great uh time. I flew into Minnesota on Friday and uh Kate Spacia and Eamon Naughton picked me up, and we went to a great brewery. I forget the name of it. It wasn't Surly. Surly's a really good brewery in the Twin Cities, but it was a different one. Um, and uh, saw a bunch of the Bernardi kids, um, a number of whom listen, faithful listeners to the podcast. Some of them were thinking about coming out for the 10th anniversary party. But then you always got the one guy, right? I don't know if you have friends like this, and Cousin is a friend, but he's going to come to the party but make a point not to talk to me, right? Because he knows this is going to inflict, you know, Right, pain on on the sanguine. Sure, it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second, you know. And uh, Cosden, I miss you. I miss your crazy prophetic. That's good, kind of fraternal correction. You know, just making sure things get kept in check. Right. You know, you're in jazz loon mode. <laughs> no, it's great to be together. And I uh, I uh, want to th- thank the uh, Bernardi kids for being together last weekend. That was fantastic. We had a great wedding. Rose and Tim. Gavaretsky, right? G A W A R E K E C K I, and I was like, "Ooh, I better practice this one because it's the proper Polish, you know, pronunciation." Yeah. But 
if you're looking at it, it looks crazy. But we had a beautiful wedding. Rose has no time in purgatory because she, with your brother, God bless them, they edited my dissertation, and I am forever indebted to that. That is a that is a true corporal work of, of mercy. I true. mean, it was just so Rose and Tim are now happily married. It was a beautiful wedding. We had some other companions there. Father John Kelly was there, Father Marcus Millis, uh, Father Ben Little. It was great to be together with the guys, and uh, and it's great to see the Bargers. My cousin Adam White. You know, they, they drink Michelob Ultra in Minnesota. What? I know. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. No, they do. I know. Why would Why would anybody do that? They're watching the carbs. I know. Do you know that Miller Miller Light has just as uh, just as many uh, carbs? Or like maybe a few more as Michelob Ultra. I did not know that Miller but you, Light. But you know what? That's why you do it because the car. It's like well, that's why people well, drink Michelob. Drink Ultra. Lacroix. You know? No, you drink uh, like uh, Cali drinks. She drinks that uh, white clam. Oh yeah, white clam, white claw. Right. That's white clam. <laughs> that stuff. Oh, uh, as long as you don't see Luke drinking that, then then we're in trouble. So speaking of uh, Cali, the famous Cali. My father-in-law says you sound like Alan Alda from MASH. Do you know what that means? Yeah. Who is that? Did you actually watch MASH? Yeah. Oh. So, oh, my gosh, there's a great video of my uh, niece, uh, Hallie, um, watching. She, she like, moves to the music of the theme song from MASH. You mean, like, this? isn't it kind of slow, dramatic? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's great. That's funny. Mash is fun. I I never got into it. Like I, I've seen a, f- a few episodes or whatever. I mean, the, still to this day, I think it's one of the highest Nielsen ratings of of all time. Oh, really? Like the the final episode of Mash. So. Um, if I can give one more shout out about the weekend before we, mm. we move on to other bantorious topics, um, there was a seminarian named John from Rockford who gave me a ride home after the. Uh, uh, rehearsal dinner and just a great guy podcast listener and I didn't even get his last name but he served for me and huh. it was great he's going to be a deacon in May I think nice he's at St. Paul Seminary great dude always enjoy meeting uh, listeners and uh, yeah it's just been it was a joy it was a great weekend I must say though I was on the plane going out and I don't know if this ever happens to you Delta I was very impressed with they have um, TVs in the seats but this is for like a two hour flight Right? Sure. Um, I'm not going to get that tomorrow on American Airlines going to Syracuse. No. No offense if you work for American. But uh, I was impressed with that. But the problem was, have, have you ever had like the, I'm trying to read. Right. I'm actually trying to do a holy hour. That's even more embarrassing, right? Because the person on my left is watching this movie, and I'm always like, mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The eyes going up because yep. I'm like, what movie is that? You know, I was like, what is, what's her, what's that girl's name? What is the movie? And uh, it turns out, I asked the the college kids, believe it or not, and they were like, oh, it's 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, gosh. And I was like, oh, I couldn't play. I've actually never seen it, but I couldn't place it. I was like, what is this late 90s? Isn't that the taming of the shrew? Right, and, it is. Yeah. yeah. What Julia Stiles, that's her name. Yeah. And the, I only know her from uh, the Bourne trilogy. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it was, um, yeah, just, it's so stupid to watch a movie every three minutes while you're trying to read or pray. And you're creeping out the person next to you. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is um, this is special. But there's TV screens everywhere. And when you don't live with a TV, you know, it's like, I don't know. And you have an ADD. You come from ADD stock. I, know, I don't. I think, it's, handle I think it. it's very difficult when you're trying to read or focus on something and a TV is going. Right. That's why whenever anybody takes me out 
and there's a TV like in, you know, like at the bar or whatever else, you can't help but can't just focus. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Especially if you're watching the Avs play the St. Louis Blues and Miko Rantan's getting hurt in the background. Well, that was that was a tough that was that was tough, man. Yeah, it was tough. We'll see. It's a long season. If the Blues can tank <laughs> half the year and then win the Stanley Cup. It's true. We can hope. Of course, for the op- they of course they fired the their coach, but I don't, I don't think you guys are going to be doing that. You're no, fine. No hell, we're not going to fire a coach. I love that guy. All we're right. moving. We're moving on. Let's we got it. two topics to do. Let's do it, baby. He's right. got a flight. Am I going first? Here's the question: oh, When yeah. when are when when does Father John need to leave for the airport? His flight is at eight fifteen. Is that when you board, or is that when you? The flight leaves at eight fifteen. So that means you board at seven forty five. Okay. Seven forty five. He's going to leave at six. Which means that he would arrive at the airport at six forty-five or six thirty-eight. Yep, I think that's not enough time. You got TSA pre-check? No, but please hold me accountable. What? Twenty? I, I'm no, I know. It's on my to-do list, right? Oh well, shoot, they're not open today. I was going to say you should just go out there for your interview. I know it's nine o'clock at night though, and the night before again. So, oh, then you definitely going to do it. Yep, we'll do it. We'll get her done. Right. We'll get her done. We're going All to right. Syracuse tomorrow to see my brother. Actually, there's some podcast listeners I'm going to meet um, who he knows out there. Um, looking forward to hanging with the fam, seeing the goddaughters. It's going to be great. But enough of that. To the topic. Enough of this. To the topic. To the right? topic. We have topic. two. We life, have... life is more than jazz loon, right? How life it, is more than jazz, how could it jazz be? loon and banter, right? Even Bill Murray over there. Even Bill Murray in his regal lordship. All right, here we go. So the book I'm holding in my hands is called Principles of Catholic Theology, Building Stones for a Fundamental Theology by the one and only Joseph Ratzinger. We've been reading this book in my fundamental theology class, and if you're not familiar with that phrase, I think we talked a little bit about it when we did one on tradition, but now now that I'm teaching, I'm just regurgitating classes that I like that I thought were interesting with the guys um, hopefully thought were interesting. I just regurgitate homilies. So you just regurgitate homily, exactly. Everything's stolen, right? And uh, but this was a class that I, I we were reading it together, and I was just so captivated by uh, what Ratzinger was doing and some of the ideas. And I want to just pull one of them out um, and just kind of we're going to talk about it for a few minutes. This might not go very long, but it's going to at least introduce the conversation. I'm going to bank on my partner here, partner in crime, to uh, help kind of volley a little bit, right? Sure, theological volleying. Yeah, right. It's like a spike ball game. There you go. Love, love. Except we're missing two other people. Love, love. Okay, so Ratzinger is laying out. This This book was published in 1982, and it was a collection of his essays through the 60s and 70s. Ratzinger was teaching. Um, remember, he was a dogmatic theologian, but he specialized in fundamental theology. Fundamental theology is a modern theological science, and it, it basically what happened in the modern period was the foundations of Christian faith were reworked, and the, the faith started de-Christianization of, of Europe in the United States started to collapse because the foundations were stripped away, right? And so in the class, we're talking a lot about how did that happen. A lot of it's philosophical. We're talking about Kant and Hegel and Descartes and and Hume and these guys, but then even after that, it's going to be Nietzsche, Marx, um, Freud, who recreate and are the architects of the world we're living in today, Mm. right? And modern man doesn't think with a Christian mind anymore. He thinks with a completely different worldview, and it was created by first by kind of breaking down the foundations of the Christian faith 
and then rebuilding upon the the kind of ruins of it, so to speak. And that's the world we're living in. And that's why we always talk about the the phenomenon of the nons, right? N O N E S. And Bishop Barron's the best on this. One in four Americans professing absolute disaffiliation from any religion whatsoever. Sixty mm-hmm. percent under the age of twenty-five. I keep throwing these numbers out there, but it's staggering. I mean, this is a serious, serious thing. So, Ratzinger, thirty, forty years ago, is already kind of hitting on this stuff, and uh, so his fundamental theology is directed towards that. Are you turning it back up? You turn it off. Turn it down. I can still hear Jasloon. Jasloon. We can't have Jasloon, right? Well, we're gonna get sued. Okay. So. So this, uh, this, uh, this little section here, I want to focus on a phrase that he calls la maladie catholique, right? La maladie catholique, which means? The Catholic maladie. <laughs> it's uh, the illness? Spanish for El Nino. Yeah, the, uh, the Catholic illness, the Catholic disease, the Catholic sickness, right? And so what does he mean by this? So let's, let's, let's jump into this here. We have come now to the heart of the problem. Did not Christianity forbid us the tree in the middle of the garden, and in doing so, really forbid everything else? Towards the end of the 19th century, French psychiatrists coined the phrase melody catholique, by which they meant that special neurosis that is the product of a warped pedagogy so exclusively concentrated on the fourth and sixth commandments that the resultant complex with regard to authority and purity renders the individual so incapable of free self-development that his selflessness degenerates into a loss of self and a denial of love, and his faith leads not to freedom, but to rigidity and the absence of freedom. Whoa, there's a lot in there. Yeah. Right? So let's unpack this a bit. One of the th- what Ratzinger is doing in this section of the book is he's taking on Nietzsche's critique of Christianity. Right? And the, the larger section of the chapter that he's, is, is all about joy. Right? So the name of the section is Faith as Trust and Joy-Evangelium. So the whole point of the section is, he says, the history of Christianity begins with the word hire, rejoice. Right? According to Luke, it is the first word spoken by the angel who announced to Mary the birth of Jesus. Hmm. So this is timely. This is going to come out in Advent. But what he's saying is that the, the, fun, the fundamental proclamation of Jesus at the Annunciation is that it's glad tidings, that it's a message of joy. Yeah. So why is it 19th century Catholic psychiatrists are diagnosing what they call this sickness called maladie catholique, mm-hmm. that being Catholic is not this joyful experience, but mm-hmm. it's something that's oppressive, it's hardening, yeah. it fills us with resentment and bitterness, and it, and it warps and leads us to the, de- the loss of self and the denial of love, right? So that's kind of what he's setting up here. Thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm I'm still waiting to hear about their obsession over the fourth and sixth commandments. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So, Which is, it's Freud. Yeah, it's Freud. That's Freud. I yeah. mean, for him, like, the reason why you stay in certain stages is because you were underdeveloped as as a child or you had a fixation and you, you you dealt with it by, you know, focusing on these either oral stages or anal stages and all these other right. things. And, and then the way you get out of that in part or the way in which it manifests is by your uh, sexual expression. Right. Which, I mean, everything just wants to be free, liberated. Right. So, it, yeah, fourth and sixth commandments, in many ways it's Freud Nietzsche, right? So it's authority, it's the father, hmm. the mother, 
it's the subversion of with this new hermeneutic of power and then also yeah this kind of obsession with sex and I, I we were talking about this with the guys in the seminary and I said gentlemen have you experienced this malady catholique maybe not there's not a culture of it I don't think there's a culture of it in our seminary but it, it happens and I said do you ever feel like in seminary we're obsessed with authority and sex and there was some like yeah you know there was some that we got to get everything chased and everything has to be you know therapeutic and uh and by the way you better do everything you're told and you better do it you know with kind of this i don't know and again i don't think this is the culture of our seminary or a lot of the seminaries i've been to but we have to ask ourselves like if we obsess over these two things we're playing into nietzsche and freud's logic we're playing into their world by saying if we reduce everything to just just basically that right to authority and purity and Mm. and that becomes everything and that's problematic right so it's a warped pedagogy so a kind of education in the faith that exclusively concentrates on the fourth and sixth commandments and the resultant complex with regard to authority and purity renders the individual this is what's so kind of devastating to hear so incapable of free self-development that his selflessness degenerates into a loss of self and a denial of love. Now, with that being said, we're in a crisis of authority and purity. The sexual revolution, 1968, the yeah. world blows up. Right. Those two are wedded together, yeah. and they literally subvert and destroy the, the last kind of foundations of Christian life and, Christi- and, and Christian civilization. And so what we're not saying is that authority and purity don't matter. But what I think Ratzinger is pointing to is that there's this kind of neurosis that can come out if, if, ev- if the faith is presented as just authority and purity. It's just chastity and obedience or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's saying not that those are mm. bad in themselves, but we're playing. It's kind of like Nietzsche and Freud set out the chessboard, and we start to play on it, and we end up in this, destruct- mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. destroyed Catholic illness, so to speak. This and, is interesting because uh, yeah. in, uh, uh, what's that, Timothy, it says poverty is the bulwark of true religion, right? Mm-hmm. Or is that, that's Ignatius. That's Ignatius. The church is the... Karonsky uh, loved that phrase. The church is the bulwark of, of truth. Right. So uh, what I would say is that instead of authority as obedience and purity as, as chastity, the Ignatius says that poverty is the, is the true bulwark of, of, of true religion. So you gotta you gotta pass that hurdle first. Right. One thing that I ask people at times in confession is, uh, imagine that you were given the gift of uh, chastity, or you obtained the virtue of purity. What would your life look like? Not just like I didn't do all these other things wrong, but rather what did I what did I do right, and what did I come to appreciate, because oftentimes we're so desirous to get all the boxes checked that, yeah, you might get all those boxes checked and you still might live a life devoid of love. Right. It can be a real obstacle to love, and I think that's important for people, but it's not the it's not the biggest thing. Yeah, it's the it's the the project of self made holiness, right? Of the self made Christian man or woman. Of uh, I remain in total control. And this is kind of a mechanism or a technique for my own self-perfection. Mm-hmm. And uh, it adorns my ego. And that's, and that's where Ratzinger points to and says the problem here is that 
we've lost the distinction between egoism and uh, what he calls true self-acceptance, which lays beneath this melody catholique. And I think that's what you're hitting on by saying we got to bring poverty into the conversation here. It just can't be about chastity and obedience. Hmm. One of the things I told the guys, actually, I didn't tell them. One of the guys said this. It was Brother David. He's a uh, sodalite. Great insight. We were talking about Marx, Freud, and Nietzsche as the masters of suspicion and kind of the architects of the modern modern uh, world that we're living in. And we were kind of breaking down what is their projects. And he said, isn't it interesting that those three subvert the three evangelical councils? Marx, poverty, Freud, chastity, Nietzsche, obedience. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's a very interesting kind right. of pairing, so to speak. Which is the reason why Pat Batman is the true there expression of the evangelical councils. The greatest podcast ever. To- Actually, my cousin wanted, he said to me, give us the top ten. And oh, I that's- think Batman's got to be in that. For me, it is. Yeah. And by the way, um, because Dr. Wright, Dr. Terry Wright was the one that... He'll get, that ro- was, he'll get royalties. Was the, was the you know, yeah. founder and inspiration of that podcast. It's Nietzsche. Okay. Uh, he gets very upset. Whatever. He gets very upset about that. Yeah, but Sister Prudence used to say can't instead of Kant. It's like, come on. Terry Wright, you need a dose of jazz loon. Terry Wright would love the ta- jazz loon. <laughs> Dr. Terry Wright to you. All right, let's go back to this distinction between... Wait, can we just go on that for a second? That that Freud is... Oh, we're, we're past that now. You know, the sorry. evangelical councils and, and those three. It's interesting, though, isn't it? But I would say, I would say that part of it... So excuse me. Um, part of it is uh, you can't just live chastity... By your own, uh, by your own program, and you can't live obedience by your own program, and you can't live poverty by your own program, because there were some guys who say, "Well, true poverty is to give everything away." Right. That's not necessarily true. Right. Um, so I would say that authority, uh, o- obedience, really does flow into a lot of those, and sometimes we don't know how to live poverty or chastity and it helps to have somebody else come in and say here's the encouragement or caution or kind of direction i would give yeah and, and i it, think the church does that right and the the absolute rejection of that in the 60s has led to innumerable consequences right the evangelical councils are not muscle-ups you remember muscle-ups in the crossfit days it's like the this crazy huge move where you just you're holding on to i could never do one but you know i watched no. chad smith could do these things you're holding on to the bar. Well, they're not bars. The things that hang down, the whatever. And then you just literally go into a pull up into a into. It's like a gymnast move. Oh, yeah. The uh-huh. muscle ups, right? Yeah. Okay. So you're not muscling your way into the rings, the rings. Like if you're if you're working on if you're struggling with chastity, you can't muscle your way into being chased, right? That just doesn't that doesn't work. Um, and it has to be because of the relational nature of the human being that both commandments and councils have to be situated in the context of relationality. It can't be that alone, was what I would say. Right. Because, I mean, cold showers have their place. Right. Benedict, Francis, both had, you know, times in which they rolled in the briars. Right. Like, to, like, overcome their sensuality. But uh, if you're just going to hate yourself, it's not going to work. It's right. not going to work. So... And so, so Ratzinger continues here, the next page he says, Now, however, we must ask more precisely, what makes a man joyful? 
what robs him of joy because the breakdown i mean as somebody who really took on this this project of self-made holiness in the early years of seminary i know what it's like when it breaks down it's not pretty right when you just realize that my the whole way i've envisioned living the christian life of just doing 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 self-perfection self-perfection you know and just more and more intensity more and more drive when that all breaks down you need a spiritual guide to help you kind of move out of the ruins, so to speak. And that was what Goronsky was for me. And mm-hmm. Balthazar. Yeah. And you. Uh, you were a help. So there you go. But he says, What robs a man of his joy? What puts him at odds with himself? What opens him to himself and to others? When we want to describe the most extreme form of being at odds with existence, we often say of an individual that he does not like himself. Very simple. But whom or what is he to like who does not like himself? And this is the key. Something very important makes its appearance here. Egoism certainly is natural to man and needs no encouragement, but this is not true self-acceptance. The former must be overcome, the latter must be discovered, and it is assuredly one of the most dangerous errors of Christian teachers and moralists that they have all too often confused the two, that is, egotism and self-acceptance. And by exercising the affirmation of self, have enabled egotism to avenge such a betrayal as it becomes all the more rampart, this is the source and the root of the maladie catholique. So the problem here is that we've lost the distinction and we've lost the ability to help souls navigate how the Christian faith does not reinforce egotism, but in fact frees us from it and leads to true self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. And that, if we start on the chessboard set by Nietzsche and Marx and Freud and these guys, it's going to be checkmate every time. And it's going to lead to this joyless bitter uh and kind of resented moralistic muscle up and i gotta get mine and i gotta get mine yeah i gotta, I gotta do it for he's, me yeah he has a beautiful entry here so what i love about ratzinger is he's always bringing other people into dialogue with these guys so with nietzsche he brings into dialogue bernanos george bernanos and he uh in particular bernanos has this wonderful book called diary of a country priest, which every seminary needs to read, period. This has to be, this is just watching the movie Calvary, reading the book, Diary of a Country Priest. This is like absolutely indispensable, I mm-hmm. think, for priesthood in, in, in the modern day, mm-hmm. right? And and Bernardo says this very simple line. This is, the priest says this in the book. He says, it's easier than one thinks to hate oneself. Grace consists in forgetting oneself. If pride is completely dead in us, then the grace of graces would be to love oneself humbly as just one, however unessential, part of the suffering members of Christ. That's a beautiful thing. What the the end, the sad kind of cul-de-sac, spiritual cul-de-sac that we find ourselves in when we go down this route of self-perfection, when we embrace this kind of warped pedagogy that obsesses over authority and, and purity, when it ends in the maladie catholique and it leads us to that, again, that just that end, um, it's a place of self-hate. And that's what Nietzsche mm-hmm. and everybody's trying to unmask. And that's why the world pities us and is totally disinterested in Christianity because they're saying, why would I want that? I can go down and get, you know, breakfast at jelly on Saturday and Sunday mornings, or I can go up to the mountains and hike a 14 or I can do whatever I want. And right. you guys can be sad and miserable and oppressed by your requirements, right? All these right. rules you have to follow. As they say, don't, what is it? Don't count calories, count your blessings. 26 extra calories, though, for Michelob Ultra? What Michelob was it? Ultra. Michelob but, I mean, like, the Christians are the ones that are counting calories. 
we're the ones that are actually living life. Right. You know, and they're on perpetual cheat day. Right. And uh, there's a joy in that. I think it's short-lived. Well, there's no freedom from egoism. It's not joy. It's pleasure. There's a great pleasure in that. Right. No, I've lived both of these, and I've seen both of them as dead ends. I en- I've ended up in the Melody Catholic. I've also attempted the kind of carefree, you know, attempt at just kind of a pagan life. And there's that great line from Chester, and I quoted this in the wedding this weekend, um, joy, which is the um, public spectacle of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian, in the sense that something changes with joy in the Christian because it doesn't require that you bracket suffering and that you live this life of kind of self-acceptance of my own egotism, right? That you actually, you take it head on and you and you die to self-love and to self-will, uh, but it leads you to that way. And this is, this is what's so beautiful is that for every person out there, whether they're going to mass or whether they're at jelly or climbing a 14 or skiing some sweet powder on a Sunday morning, whatever it is, it's easier for one than one thinks to hate oneself. Grace consists in forgetting oneself. I think that is such a freeing line that the project of Christianity and true self-acceptance lies in the forget in forgetting oneself. Mm-hmm. Is that the saints they literally didn't think about themselves. I spend all day thinking about my I wake up yeah. usually in flight or fight. A fight f- what is it? Fight or flight after some crazy dream, which I told you about over sushi, right? Every mm-hmm. night. And then the day just spins out as Father John's introspection on his experience and then trying to kind of, you know, bring the Trinity in every once in a while. But this is this has got to end. This is not what the saints mm-hmm. did. And when you meet somebody who's really free in that, it's it's automatically perceivable and it's something that we desire. Well, and what happens is, and this was mentioned to me on, so this is getting a little autobiographical, so let's just receive this with reverence. Um, but on my retreat, uh, my director, Monsignor Esif, he said, um, he said, you are uh, struggling with um, self-perfection, um, and, uh, and when you can't attain that, when you can't attain that, you fall into, uh, like, self-condemnation. So he's like, you've set up a project where you should be, you should be perfect. You should have everything figured out. You, you shouldn't need anybody. And then when you need people or you fail or it doesn't work, then you get angry at yourself and it's just a and it's just a self fulfilling prophecy. Right. And then you go back to, but I'll try harder. I'll just I'll do it over again. Like I can do this. And some of the most freeing lines this didn't happen on retreat, some of the most freeing lines that I've received in life came from my uncle Craig Schertz, uh, who was a chain smoker and uh, just a beautiful man. Just, I mean, I weep sometimes just thinking of how good he was and is because I believe that he's in heaven. But I got angry one time because I lost a hand of feather and I misplayed, I misplayed a card and I threw my cards down and I was just like, I can't believe I did that. I should have known that this other guy had this card, which means that he would have had this card, which means that I could have played this card or whatever. And he said, he said, Nathan, you always get another hand. You keep playing long enough, you always get another hand. Stop worrying about the hand that was played before. And, and, you know, receive a new hand. And I was like, that was so freeing, you know? Now, I don't like playing cards with people if they're not paying attention, as you know. Uh, I know. But uh, but I think it's important. It's an important moral lesson. Right. Because if we think that we're going to figure this stuff out and then our, our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s are just going to be this continual pursuit of 
uh, self-realization. I think that's where God just says, nope, which is what we're going to talk about on the next podcast. There you go. No, I th- that's a great line. Just There's always another hand. Uh, you begin again, right? You begin again daily. And um, beneath... Self-reliance. Well, that's the key. It, w- it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. self-perfection. But it was self-reliance. Those are the, those it's are about the, me. Those are the twins, right? right. They come together. Yeah. Self-reliance and self-condemnation, are the, they're the twins. Um, yeah. And they... And if you watch carefully in your soul, you see them play out, and they 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 move together. And uh, it's it's sick how they work in between. And it's just that's the that's the kind of dangerous confined logic of 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 our egoism. And this is what Christ wants to liberate us from. And that's why it's glad tidings. That's why this is beautiful because it actually happens. Well, that's where that's where if if it's just this world, it's terrifying because. It's just me right? and you, and frankly, I think it's not you. It's just you're another me, right? and I'm another me, and they're another me. But the news from outside is there is uh, tidings of great joy for today in the city of David, a, a, a Savior is born for you who is Christ and Lord. Right. That there's actually, there's a possibility of salvation. It's big. That's it. Let me read a third uh, section here. I'm sorry, these are kind of longer quotes, um, and then we're going to kind of kind of wrap this thing up because we're not. We got jazz loon to we do, got man. Jazz loon to do. It's on. It's on eleven. Okay. Okay. Hustle. We're, we're getting there. What's number eleven? Oh, uptown funk. Uptown funk. We're gonna we're gonna go back to that one. We're gonna get club catamaran before the night's over. Okay. Here we go. So then he says he continues. This is the third point I want to make. By its very essence, by its very nature, Christian belief is glad tidings, but we have to still ask. How can it bestow on us today its power to liberate, to make us joyful? One thing above all should be clear. The joyous character of Christian faith does not depend on the effectiveness of ecclesiastical events. This is so good. Oh, my God, I just love it. I got so excited in class. The effectiveness, the, the, what is it? The joyous character of Christian faith does not depend on the effectiveness of ecclesiastical events. I actually, uh, oh, yeah, I'll continue the church is not a society for the promotion of good cheer whose values rises and falls with the success of its activities. Mm. If the events of such a, of a society are boring and without humor, it has become super, superfluous. The joy it gives depends on its activities, but the strength of the Christian message lies deeper. The promise of love that makes our own life worthwhile remains firm, even if the messengers are themselves unprepossessing even if the priest is far from being an entertaining speaker, although it is not a bad thing if he is one, because deep joy of the heart is also the true prerequisite for a sense of humor, and thus humor is, in a certain sense, the measure of faith. Hmm. This is amazing. The value of human love does not cease when those who love are separated from one another. And then he goes on to talk about prisoners in Russia and the joy of living constantly uh, in the knowledge and then the literal possession of the life of God, which is what we receive in Jesus. But to stop and pause on that for a second, that the church is not a society um, that organizes itself um, for, for, for just good cheer, right? It's not a society for the promotion of good cheer. Its values rise and fall based on the success of his activity. If Father Nathan's in a bad mood tomorrow at 9 o'clock in the morning at Mass, it doesn't mean the, the Christian message is not glad tidings. Because you're not the one who distinguishes it as glad. You don't determine yeah. the gladness, the joy of it. Yeah. Right? The Christian message does not, it, it's, it's something so much deeper. And it has to be discovered beneath the failures of Christians, all of us, 
to live that out, right? Yeah. Because there's nothing the modern world loves more, as I've said before, than than unmasking Christian hypocrisy. And they're like, you're not joyful. The Melody Catholic everywhere. And it's like, but it doesn't lie in that. But then you read somebody and you experience something of the saints and you realize that it's it's there, it's living, because this is the this is the way to salvation from myself and from my ego. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what will come of it. And that and this line is unbelievable. Deep joy of the heart is also the true prerequisite for a sense of humor. And thus humor is, in a certain sense, the measure of faith. How interesting if we thought about measurement, the measure of faith being humor, not mm-hmm. and not funny jokes like Father Nature sure. can do, but the deep freedom that comes with being dispossessed of yourself and not having to live, uh, trying to adorn your ego with everything, which is mm-hmm. what we do as fallen mm-hmm. human beings. That's the measure of faith. And that's the poverty of spirit mm-hmm. that you were speaking about earlier and the, un- and the union of, of humor and humility, which lay at the foundations of the Christian life. A humorless, I would say, a humorless Christian um, is uh, a dangerous thing because if they can't even laugh at themselves, they'll they'll just end up hating themselves and just trying to self-entertain with, um, show me somebody else that did something good, you know, because I, I can't do it. Obviously, I'm, I'm going to fail. Trevor's stuck outside. Oh, really? Can you go out and get him? I can't. No. He just texted and called. I'll just text him. Trevor Lantine. Okay, text him the message. Why can't he get the door? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Trevor. So funny. No, it's... Garage code is don't say it. Don't say it out loud. So I just thought, I was thinking of Chesterton. I was thinking of these guys who who help us uh, to understand what it means to actually be Christian. And a lot of times they're the people who just don't take themselves seriously. I remember when Mike Brumman stood up, I was a freshman at college seminary, and all the seniors were giving advice they had all one piece of advice. And Mike Brumman, I don't I don't know if he ever got ordained, actually, but he was a senior, and he just stood up and he said, guys, if I've learned anything from seminary, it's to take your faith more seriously and to take your take yourself less seriously. And I was like, that's that's it. That's what I that's what I want. That's what I want to live. Because the harden the hardening of, of our conscience and the intensity that we drive within it is something that's just um it's just gonna end in a dead end. So Thank you. Uh, is he in? Is he safe? I don't know. He's stuck in the cold outside. It's freezing cold outside. Our well, poor seminarian. No? You want me to call him? Uh, I would say we could start doing shout-outs. Why don't we just do that and we'll wrap it up and go get him. Let's go save him. Well, You want to listen to Jasler. I know. I'm calling him. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start with shout-outs. Hang on. Does that sound okay? <laughs> Folks, this is my life. Hope he doesn't drive. Welcome to my F-bombs. bed and breakfast. <laughs> He's out. Maybe he started driving around. What is he doing? <laughs> I mean, I. He must be upstairs. What's his face? Must be upstairs. I know. We're actually recording. He's not answering. We're actually Maybe recording. Maybe he froze to room. death. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that was a half hour ago he called. Oh, seriously? No, it wasn't a half hour. He texted me at 8.47. It's 9.19 right now. No, 9.15 was when he called me. Okay. Well, he's probably in. He's dead to us. He's fine. He's dead. He must be in. 
So that's all I wanted to say was that I think this this melody catholic is a is, is there's something to it, uh, but it's not the faith. And Nietzsche was wrong uh, when he talked about and when he assessed and when he he critiqued Christianity. The joy is deeper, the joy of Christmas. But we have to live this, and we have to live it not by saying how do I make the faith work for my life, how do I adorn myself, how does it make me more happy, how can I reduce this thing to kind of therapeutic deism. We got to get rid of that and say. The secret comes in being dispossessed of my egoism and being free in Christ. But that means I, I will be led to places that I don't want to be. I will, I, yesterday, we were together as companions, and we had a robust fraternal group meeting. It led me to, to contemplate and pray with things I didn't want to talk about, I didn't want to think yeah. about. And that's what, that's what, before this section, Ratzinger says, faith is metanoia. It is conversion. Yeah. It's not something that happened. I had a conversion moment, and everything's fine now. Right. I'm saved. Faith by its very nature, is conversion. And if we live according to that, we're going to experience it as joy. We need it. Got in. He got in, he folks. Got in, he got folks. in. All right. All right. He's safe. He, I know And there's a lot of moms out there that are like, I can't believe you didn't just get up and let him in. I know. But the I dads, know. the dads, you know, the dads they, know, they sit and keep watch, you know. I know. They keep watch. So that's all. That's it. That's it for me. Melody Catholic. You got any... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would just say I would just say there have been a few moments, you know, in recent times, even in that robust conversation, where it's like you hear some things that you didn't want to hear. Um, that ultimately, it's not about getting what you want. Yeah, and uh, if Christianity for you is I found what I want and I get to do what I want, then you probably don't have a community that asks you to do things you don't want to do. You yeah. know, so. And this is real. This, I mean, this this penetrates into the way we pray, the way we think about things, the way we receive yeah. or don't receive the reality of our lives. I mean, yeah. tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's tough. Family times. It's it, you got to. There's a lot that comes up. There's a lot of things you got to deal with. It's a lot easier just to avoid people. Um, we have to. We have to kind of face these things head on. And the joy of Christ comes in in the fact that he he's always at work in these things, um, but he's working constantly to dispossess us. I think of that of that yeah. and to not, never lead us to that place of uh of self hate, you know. Got it. Got Amen. it. I told I told Trevor to come down. We'll see if he does. He's kinda shy guy. Shy Ronnie up there. All right. Um I want to give a shout out to uh Sean and Karen Miller. Hold on a second. What? We need some jazz luna for you. Oh, yeah, that's right. What uh, do you want? Well, well I wanna I wanna listen to Uptown Funk. I think that I mean, because everybody knows the Uptown song. Uptown Funk. We'll start with that. Here we go. Hey everybody, it's 9.15 in the p.m. We're recording from Schloss Goebbels. Ooh. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Trevor. Welcome to Uptown Funk. Um, we've got, um, I want to give a shout out to Sean and Karen Miller from Kansas City, uh, Kansas City, Kansas, I believe. Uh, they are on the board of um, they're on the board of His Work Foundation, which does uh, great work uh, for the people of uh, Africa. And uh, our deacon here at the parish, uh, Deacon Hugh Downey, uh, with his wife Marty, uh, started this foundation. Uh, they worked in Africa over 53 years. I went to Africa with them last year. Sean and Karen Miller are on their board, and Karen Miller um, is a podcast listener. So I want to thank her for. Uh, for for doing both uh, today we have with us a um, an icicle 
uh, apparently, because he's a little cold from being outside. Uh, Trevor Lontine, he's uh, here with us. Welcome, Trevor. Hello, everyone. Well, and uh, do you have anyone you want to go shout out to? Uh, I think it's typical that you have to shout out your mother, right? So my mom, she doesn't listen to the podcast, but I shout her out anyhow. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes, but also to uh, Sarah and Zach Carlstrom, um, two of the Carl missionaries. Strum. Yes, two of the missionaries from core expeditions up in lander wyoming oh nice uh, they're faithful listeners so do they listen to uh jazz loon they do now now they do yeah now they do they're converts yeah nice how was your dinner <laughs> it was very good yeah good yeah so um right now um trevor is doing what i classically call um the the pretzels are making me thirsty <laughs> Whenever people step forward to give their line, um, especially in the liturgy, uh, my deacons have a bad habit of this. So, like, whenever they they want to, you know, talk or whatever, they go, they step forward and then they, you know, Lord have mercy, and then they step back and Christ have mercy. And I'm like, okay, Trevor, could you go to song ten, please? I'd like to listen to Top Cat in honor of Matt Christians, who's a total cat guy. Matt Christians. All right, shout out. So Beatrice Sullivan has been badgering me for once. You need to shout out. Um, it's not Beatrice Sullivan anymore, is it? No, uh, Beatrice is the mom. Mm. Okay, can you pronounce that Polish last name for me? Because oh, you're better Tremont. at this stuff. Ooh, this is this is good. Top cat. Uh, Sitchevitz. Sitchevitz. Yeah. You want to read that real quick? Garrett Sitchevitz. Yep. Uh, who converted with his newly with his newly bride a year ago and is now the lead teacher and program manager of the first class of the just started classical high school the Chesterton Academy of Our Lady of Victory okay Top Cat sucked we're going to breezing along number three Sitchevitz Sitchevitz so thanks for listening and thanks for your good work with uh, Sullivan kids we appreciate it so now this is better nice okay Jazz Loon people, shout out to you. Thank you for right. this amazing CD. I want to give a Appreciate shout out to uh, Lincoln Lee, who got uh, confirmed this past weekend. Um, she is the daughter of our friend Mika, um, and uh, she her podcast or her podcast sponsor, her um, confirmation sponsor was John Miller, uh-huh. sponsored in part by <laughs> Mount Olivet. Uh, what's it called? Uh, oh darn it! What is it called? I'm on their board. Archdiocesan Mortuary Services? Yeah. Something like that? Uh, You're on the board? Yeah, it's uh, Catholic Cemetery and Mortuary Services. John yes. Miller, for all of your of your mortuary and cemetery needs, <laughs> check him out. If you're looking for some place to be buried in the ground, John Miller can help with that. All so, right. But the, the shout-out was for Lincoln Lee. Good. We're signing off. Sign it off, baby. One more. This is the last one. Welcome everybody to the podcast. Talking about the Catholic stuff. I know you're looking for fun. I know you're looking for some nacho cheese. You got it right here, baby. IO3. Alright, we're signing off.